Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Do you ever feel like life is just totally and completely unfair? Like no matter what happens, you just cannot seem to win. What's up on Broken Nation? Hope that you're doing well, my friend. Uh, today's episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by my friend, Michael Caprio. Michael's story is unbelievable. You, you talk about this, oh, man, this thought about the world being against you at 19, excuse me, at 18 years old. He was diagnosed with uh, a hereditary family disease that caused him to lose almost his entire digestive system and facing death and the recovery of that. And it's just an incredibly inspirational story. I won't go into details here, obviously, because you're about to listen to the episode. But, you know, sometimes I sit and I listen to these amazing human pe- human beings who come on this show. I was going to say amazing human people. They are human people. Um, the amazing human beings who come on this show. And I just think to myself, like, holy shit. Like, the trials and tribulations that we go through. 
that we push ourselves through, that we survive, that unfortunately sometimes we suffer to have growth, to become the person we were supposed to be is, is unbelievable. And his story is that. And his impact, his vulnerability, his authenticity is is really powerful. And as I listened to him today, and as I, I kind of dove into his story, into his book, into his mission, I just, I kept thinking to myself, like, we're here for a purpose, every one of us. And it may not always seem like that right now, today, in this moment, because fuck, life is hard. Like, I get it. I know you all know we know this together. And, and it's cumbersome, and it's overwhelming, and sometimes it's just straight up fucking unfair. But when, when you change your mindset and your attitude and you are willing to go and leverage your truth with your family, your friends, your community, your support, it's unbelievable what you're capable of doing. And, and Michael is such an incredible testament to that. And I'm very excited for this episode. I'm very excited for you to be here with us on Broken Nation. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal and company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today, and I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you, and without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show, but before we do, I'm going to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com thinkunbroken.com to pre-order and until next time be unbroken hey what's up unbroken nation hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest michael caprio who is the author of his debut memoir a bump in the road michael my friend how are you today what is happening in your world hey how's it going mike i'm doing good today just like Enjoy another beautiful Saturday here in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. It, it's super. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, you told me your story a couple of months ago. I felt super compelled by it, and I know the Unbroken Nation is going to love it. And so I'd love if you tell us a little bit about you, your backstory, and how you got to where you are today. 
Okay, perfect. So since I'm sitting here, and I'll just show my book since I got it right here. So that's my hardcover of my book. And so when I was 18 years old, in my senior year of high school, I um, got diagnosed with a rare genetic condition that runs in my family, that's run in my family for four uh, generations. And it's called familial adenomatous polyposis, FAP for short. And basically what that means is, and right now it's relevant in the month of March, it's uh, colorectal cancer month. It's a, a form of colorectal cancer that affects my large intestine. And basically to put it in short is I have a gene in my body that instead of stopping the growth of polyps, they multiply. So when I was 18 years old, I had to go get a uh, blood test in, uh, in New York City at Mount Sinai Hospital, which is where my surgeons operate. And at the time I was in high school, so my parents told me I had to go to New York to get a blood test. I didn't really think much of it. I was in, you know, a very naive stage of my life, focusing on, you know, high school things like you know, playing video games with my friends when I get back and doing stupid stuff. So, you know, it was a very, it was a minor inconvenience for that day, but I never really, I never thought much of it. And then, you know, flash forward a couple of weeks because they told us two weeks the results would come in. You know, I asked my mom about it and my mom kind of was shocked that I remembered and like that it was in my mind. So like she waited a little longer, my family to tell me towards the end of my senior year which was definitely better because, you know, that would, that's a very preoccupying thought. Uh, the blood test, uh, blood test came back positive, And then I had to get a colonoscopy to confirm at 18 years old uh, that the blood test was indeed accurate. And when I went to go get my colonoscopy, I remember at 18 years old, they had to show me it. So, you know, my parents didn't really want me to see it, but they had to show me because I was a legal adult. And I remember my large intestine and the uh, results, like they're just like the doctor was sitting there pointing at everything and he just circling all them. And there were so many polyps, it looked like my large intestine was like covered in bubble wrap. There was hundreds of them. So I remember him telling me like, yeah, right after you graduate high school, you're going to have to get your entire large intestine removed. And then I was going to have to get a J pouch operation and all these things. And I was like, well, like, you know, this totally hit me by, by surprise. So after the colonoscopy, it got a little more real because after that, you know, it was, a, it was like a mini medical procedure, kind of freaked me out a little bit. And it was, I was out of my element. And then I started to realize, okay, this is pretty serious because after I graduate, you know, I have to have all these operations. So then that's when I started to do uh, Googling of my condition online, which is like the worst thing you could do ever. Everybody always says this and it's, it's very true, you know, and my surgeon had a, a funny way of putting it. He said, you know, the people who are happy aren't posting or very rarely are posting their stories online. It's usually the people that aren't. So he tried to tell me to take that with a grain of salt. And it's basically what my parents said. They said, you're going to have a chance to meet your surgeon. You know, he's a great guy that kept telling me all these great things about him and that he's going to change my life forever and I'll be back in good health. And his name was uh, Dr. Gorfine in Mount Sinai. And when I first met him for the first time, all the things were true. He was very calm. He had a nice, good sense of humor. He didn't sugarcoat things to me, but it was brought to my attention how severe it was going to be. I had to get the entirety of my large intestine removed because that's where the cancer was grown. With my disease, it's not a matter of, you know, if I'll get cancer, it was a matter of when. And with me, probably at 18 years old, I'm 25 now, I'd probably be very sick at this point if I didn't get the operation or I wouldn't be here. So it was, it was a very serious set of circumstances. And, you know, it's all preventative before it gets bad, which is the whole point of testing and you know, finding these things out early, which is why it's so important because, you know, that's why I'm here today is because everything was done early. So I had to get the entirety of my large intestine removed and then I had to get a J pouch. So it's different for people who get their large intestine removed or get these types of operations. You can end up with an ostomy. I had a temporary one for three months. So at 18, that was obviously a lot of my mind too. That was a whole new adjustment, something that I didn't even really realize was possible at the time. 
you know, my first operation to get the entirety of my large intestine removed and to construct the J pouch was uh, nine hours, nine and a half hours I was underneath the knife for. And so, yeah, that was like right after I graduated high school, July 10th. And then um, I had to live with a temporary ostomy for three months to let my intestines heal. And then after three months, I went back in to get that reversed so that it would just be, um, it would be going through like the new plumbing, as my surgeon called it, because, uh, you know, for 18 years, I was operating the normal way, the normal way. And now I'm doing it my way now, which is the way that he constructed. And so basically what a J pouch is, and this is how my surgeon described it to me. So I'm, I'm going verbatim for what he told me, or as close to verbatim as I could put it. So I remember after my operation, he basically told my parents that he had to take out my large intestine. And then he kind of stretched my small intestine far and wide to occupy that space where my large intestine was, so that there wasn't, you know, just empty space, I guess, is how he explained it to me. And then at the end of your um, small intestine, it's called the ileum. And from that, they kind of just create like a J-shaped reservoir and they use uh, staples and sutures to put it together. So it kind of acts as like, I guess, as like, um, you know, the replacement of what the end of your large intestine would be. So that would be like your rectum. So basically I had to get my whole digestive system re rerouted, you know, and that was how I was able to be saved into a life of good health. Obviously what happened to me physically was very difficult, you know, and very graphic. I go into detail in the, in the book about that, you know, about the nine hours and you know all the things that went wrong in the hospital that kept me there for 11 days. And then, you know, the months at home, but I think what was just as difficult as the physical part was the mental aspect. And that's a lot of what the book is about too, because I understand from my perspective, there's not a lot of people who are affected by my condition. You know, it's very rare and I understand that. So I tried to market it in a way where yes, people with my condition, it, it will totally relate to them. You know, I'll be telling the whole story, totally transparent, no sugarcoat, nothing. And that's, perfect and then people in similar circumstances with colorectal diseases because you know even though they vary in certain ways that we, we share a lot of similar pains you know so i do like to affect that community too but at the end of the day a bump in the road is we all go through bumps in the road you know mine was health issues but i was fortunate in other areas i have two loving parents i have a loving brother great support system that got me through it and you know i i've grown up with people who have had no health issues As a matter of fact they've had great health right but then they have bad at home situations. So it just gave me a lot of perspective of the things that I'm, I'm thankful for. And, you know, the hard times from my bump in the road is what led me to a life that I'm a lot more happy of nowadays, ironically. A lot of people think it would be the opposite, but that is not true. Yeah, that's, that's powerful, man. And what a story, you know, grow, growing up, and I've, I've shared this on the show before, you know, I had terrible asthma. I actually coded once when I was six. I couldn't play. I couldn't do anything. And, and eventually I grew out of it by the time I was 15, luckily. But, you know, facing death's door at such a young age really was was detrimental. And, and I, I think that so much about what it means to kind of overcome these things is, is starting with your attitude. And looking at how important that is, how powerful it is, how how like literally the thought process you have about this entire process, even though it's chaotic and fucked up and it sucks and it's unfair, like you still have to be able to come to the super attitude. Talk to me about what was going through your mind and, and how you were able, especially as a kid, because I'll be honest, dude, I, I think about that and I go, man, that you are so strong to have been able to go through that. So what was your attitude? What was your thought process like as you were heading into the beginning of this? 
Yeah, so I'll cover it. That's a great question. I'll cover it all, um, you know, from top to bottom, because my perspective on things has changed a lot, obviously. Please. So in the very beginning, like I said, I was very naive. So, you know, my concerns at the time when I didn't even realize how serious my condition was when I was just getting tested, that's when I was like, thinking to myself, like, oh, this isn't anything like, oh, my brother got tested for it. My brother's fine. My mom said she has it. My aunt said, she, you know, so like, I was looking all around me and I wasn't even considering the serious ramifications. So at that time, it was just kind of like a minor inconvenience. It was interfering with my stupid <laughs> teenage social life at the time. And then as I got a little older, well, as time went on a little bit, and I found out the more severe you know, implications of my condition, then it became, wow, okay. So like, then it was the first time I was introduced to death, kind of how you said, when you're at 18 and you're contemplating like, okay, life's supposed to be just getting started. And for all my peers, they're looking forward to, you know, going to college and doing all these fun things and looking forward to the next exciting chapter in their life. And for me, I was looking at you know, nothing but uncertainty. I didn't know what the next chapter of my life was going to look like. I didn't know if I was going to be happy when I woke up. I didn't even know if I was going to wake up. I mean, you know, those odds are very low, obviously, but it was still a possibility nonetheless. And then I was kind of forced to come to the realization. I'm like, what if I wake up on July 10th when I have my surgery, you know, whenever I wake up from that? And what if my life is miserable, you know, from now on? Like, what if I live a life that, you know, isn't, isn't worth living, you know, that I'm suffering all the time? And then that kind of thought that threw something else into my head where, you know, for the first time in my life, I was kind of facing the reality of a fate worse than death, you know? So like I had spent all this time, like in this almost existential crisis at 18, trying to wrap my head around, you know, these hard realities. And then to have that thought creep in like, Oh, like it could be worse than death. And I was like, well, how exactly is that possible? So then I was going through that weird tug of war at that point. And then, you know, it just kept going back and forth. It was really overwhelming. And then I kind of, just before the surgery, I was like, all right, well, fuck it. It has to happen anyways. So, you know, let's just attack this. Right. And I thought like, you know, I thought it wouldn't, I, nothing could have prepared me for what I woke up to, you know, that day in the hospital and what I would face, you know, the next couple of weeks and months, I truthfully no amount of reading could have. And then that's when I woke up, you know, and I woke up, I'm in crazy amounts of pain in the hospital. I mean, I spent 11 days in there. I could, couldn't walk. I had to have people help me walk around. I had all these things that, you know, set me back and just horrible, painful stories that I'll detail in, in the book in, in greater detail. Cause like I said, I'm fully transparent about what happened to me. And during those times I was just getting beat up and, you know, physically, and then the mental part hit a little after. And I know the exact moment when it hit too. So like my first six days in the hospital were really easy. Cause I was just weaning out on pain medication. You know, I was like six days flew by because I just kept pressing the pump. I was awake, pain, okay, press it, knock out, right? That's basically what I thought I was going to do for 11 days and I'd be fine. And then after six days, the nurses basically started weaning me off it. And they said like, you know, if you want, if you want to get out of here, I remember one doctor said it to me and it kind of shocked me because I, you know, I thought they were supposed to support you. And don't get me wrong. I'm, in the moment, I was being selfish and looking back on it, they were 100%. This was the right thing for them to do. They had to push me to do this because I wasn't helping myself get better. But then, you know, they started weaning me off these pain meds and telling me, no, don't take it when you have pain. You have to fight through it a little bit. And, you know, that kind of shocked me at first. I was like, who are these people to tell me that I can't be mitigating my pain? But then something else happened. You know, six days went by really fast. And I thought, oh, this recovery is going to be easy peasy because I was so high on painkillers and everything. And then, you know, I, I was sitting there in the hospital 
and I was getting weaned off and time just started dragging. Like, I, I was like, how have I been here for six days already? It's been like two hours and it feels like days. So like everything just started dragging and I had more time to think about everything and the pain was just so much worse. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is like as bad as it gets. Like this is, this has to be rock bottom, right? Like I thought all of a sudden my perspective started shifting and I was like, I'm never going to get out of here. Like I'm never going to get back on my feet again. So then I was just kind of getting beat down and I had nothing to really help because the pain was, the pain medicine was helping and they told me to get off that. So that's like when things really started to hit. Cause after that, those final six days in the hospital were really slow and painful. And then I went home and it was basically the same thing. You know, I thought when I got home, I'd be like, oh, I'm in my home now. I could sleep in my own bed. That couldn't happen. You know, I had staples in my stomach. I couldn't sleep in my own bed. So it, the hospital setting, it's like the hospital ended, but I came home and it was basically the same thing at home. You know, like I still couldn't walk around or do much on my own. I was still in pain. Time was still dragging. And every day was a living nightmare. So every day I would wake up and the only time I was at peace was when I was sleeping, but I could barely sleep because I was in so much pain all the time. And I was just like, you know, this is when my rock bottom moments started to come in, like started to come down the pipeline that I write about in the book where like, this just goes on for so long in my head where like every day is miserable. I'm getting no enjoyment out of everything. All the things I used to enjoy have been, have been taken away from me. And instead, you know, things that I used to enjoy are now causing me pain, like eating certain foods or walking or trying to lay down, like literally anything. So I was like, wow, for the first time, you know, I had independence and health taken away from me. And I was like, wow, this, this is what rock bottom is. You know, when you're in high school and you have stupid things you go through, like a breakup or whatever, and I'm not saying breakups are stupid because they can be very serious, but like, you know, when you're in high school, you go through like kind of petty high school drama and that'll get you down and you could be upset about it. And you're like, wow, like my life kind of sucks or I'm upset about this. Right. And then, and I used to be upset about those things, but then like for the first time I was sitting there, I'm like, wow, these are like real life problems. You know what I mean? Like, this is like something that I've never really experienced before. Like, this is like, this is like insane. Like it truly was making me reevaluate everything. And then I just kind of hit that point where after reevaluating it for so long and trying to see if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, my I just kind of gave up and I write it in the book that it was a very scary time in my recovery because I didn't care. You know, I wasn't looking for solutions. It was just my brain had thrown the white flag. Like I didn't care. I wasn't talking to anyone. I wasn't talking to my mom or my dad or my brother who were trying to cheer me up. I wasn't talking to my friends who were trying to cheer me up. You know, I just, I submitted defeat. And at that point, my perspective, what I really believed, and I know looking back on it now, it's very foolish, but this is why it's important to talk about these things is at the time I really thought I was a burden to the people that love me. Like I thought, really thought and believed that if I wasn't here, they'd be better off without, like mm -hmm. better off, that I'm such a burden that I'm causing all this, you know, people have to take care of me and they have to do this and they have to do this and they're taking time out of their schedule for me. And it's like, why are they even doing this for me? You know, like, am I really that important? And I just really thought that I was a burden. So I kind of pushed everyone away. I wasn't really being responsive. Like I said, I gave, I gave up. And then my mom was uh, trying to pick my brain one day in the summertime on the couch when I was recovering. And this was probably my rock bottom. It was my rock bottom moment. I talked about it in the book where, you know, she just said, like, tell me, you know, like, tell me what's wrong. Like, you know, you could tell me anything in your mind. And in my head, I'm just like, do you really want to know? So I said that I'm like, do you really want to know? And at the moment, and I understand that at the moment I was sick when I said this, but I did mean it. And I, you know, whatever, what happened after this was necessary. That's how I view it, because this was a very important moment in my life. And you know, I told her if I knew this was going to happen, I wish I was never born. 
Because, again, I thought that would help her as stupid as it sounds, because that's what I really believed at the time. So I said that, and as soon as I said it, it was just kind of instant regret. You know, like, it left my mouth. I saw the damage it did to her. And then she went out on the deck and basically started crying until my dad came home. And then, you know, we had that a moment where we basically said, like, you know, you can't, you know, my dad sat me down. He's like, you know, your mom's upset too. <laughs> you know, it's not just you. Like, she thinks that she gave this to you. And that's when I started to realize it's so much bigger than just myself. Like, that's when everything kind of, like, it started to make sense. Like, that was my rock bottom moment. And I'm not necessarily proud of it. I don't think anyone's really proud of their rock bottom moments. But what happened after was very necessary because what happened after is I started to look for solutions. You know, I wasn't trying to hurt my family's feelings. I wasn't trying to break their hearts, but I did. And then I saw, you know, I saw my mom and my dad very stressed and upset about, you know, my actions at the time because I wasn't taking responsibility for what had happened to me. And then I, I never considered their perspective. You know, I never considered that this is genetic, that they decided to have kids. And, you know, for my brother, he didn't have it. And for me, they had it. You know, there's all these family dynamics and I was sitting there thinking about, okay, how do I make it right? And that's the first time that I was in that moment, you know, like I hadn't had a moment prior to that where I was looking for solutions. So that's why I'm thankful for my rock bottom moment because it forced me to look for solutions because I saw the hurt I was causing people. So then I kind of learned like, okay, things aren't great right now. They might not be great in the future. I got to try. And I just got to kind of fake it until I make it, you know, like, that sounds cheesy and a lot of people say that, but at first you do have to do that. But my catalyst that led me towards that, that kind of snapped me out of the fog I was in was kind of coming to this realization, okay, if I don't accept this and I'm miserable for the rest of my life, this is going to affect my family dramatically. And in ways I, I'm not really sure I would know what the outcome would be today had I chosen a different path, you know? So I'm very thankful that I had that realization. Yeah, that's that's such a powerful testament, man. And and as you're talking about this, the the word that keeps popping up in my head is is transparent. And and I think that there's so much power in being able to be open and be honest. And and even in that moment of sharing that with your with your mother, you know, I mean, there was transparency in that. You know, I think I, I go ahead. <laughs> You know, even though it's difficult and you're like, shit, man, like I, I just rocked the boat or, or, you know, maybe that yeah. wasn't the right thing to say, but, but it was the honest thing to say. It was the truthful thing, it was real authenticity. What, what kind of role has being transparent played in your life? Cause I'm, I'm obviously getting that tremendously here in this conversation, but, but how does that play it over into the other aspects of your life? Yeah, so definitely being transparent is a big one for me. And the most personal example, like dear to my heart for me, why I do, I've got a million examples, but the one that's definitely most relevant in my life and that kind of came full circle for me is in my family, my grandma was very open about our condition. She always did kind of like, you know, um, not experimental, optional procedures. That's the better word. Optional pr procedures to develop research for our condition. And she always reached out to support groups. That was her thing. And she rubbed that off on me. I'm not going to lie. Because when I, when she used to take care of me, that, that resonated with me. And she really liked that. And then, um, you know, her sister had it. She was kind of the opposite. And in my family, you know, we say, like, my mom was more of an Aunt Ronnie, my grandma's sister, who was a little more quiet about it. And, you know, it's it's tough things to talk about. I definitely understand that. But for me, it was like this thing that was kind of half talked about in my family. It wasn't really fully talked about, especially not on the other side of my family that wasn't affected by it. 
you know, they always knew we had something and they respected it, but it was never really talked about. And so for what my mom specifically, she was always kind of the type never to, to like talk about it or be more open with it. She was a little more closed with her, um, with our condition. And then as I started to be more open and accepting of it, she became more open and accepting of it as the years went on. So then, you know, I eventually, you know, I think it was like 20, when I was 23 or 24, so like two, three years ago, or 2019 is when my grandma got sick and she had a uh, terminal cancer. Uh, it was unrelated to FAP, which is, was, was her wish. That would have been pretty devastating for her. But um, I remember towards the end, we, you know, we were having heart to hearts and whatever, whatnot with her. And my grandma told my mom that, you know, she needs to get tested uh, for, you know, get her a scope test to make sure that she's okay. And she basically said, you need to do this for Michael because Michael didn't give up on you. You can't give up on him. And that's what my grandma said to my mom. And then, so my mom went and she got her scope test. My mom has a very complicated medical history. So to not go into detail, especially since I'm not really hundred percent sure, we're still not all hundred percent sure, but they found something that they had to remove and they had to do a reversal to what she had done to her to what I have, which five years ago we were told wasn't possible, right? So they find something and this test was obviously done. So we find out that my mom's gonna have to have like two to three operations over the course of like the next year. And that year just so happened to be the pandemic. So actually my mom's last operation came in March of 2020. She was still in the hospital and had to get whisked out with all that craziness going on in New York City. So that was a very, very dramatic time. But the point being of this story is my mom got that test done because my grandma told her to, because of you know how I chose to be transparent and open with everything, because my grandma basically told her, you know, you can't give up on my goal because that's the route I chose, right? So my mom would have been a Ronnie and not gotten her test done, but she did get her test done and they found it and she was able to be safe because of it. And I remember during the pandemic, you know, when I was taking care of my mom, cause I had to send her home early cause of all that craziness. She still had like tubes in that I had to take care of whatever, but like, you know, the operations went well and I just had to play home nurse for a little bit. So when I was playing home nurse with her, you know, we kind of had a conversation and we were saying like, you know, if I hadn't been so open, what would have happened? We'll be right back to this episode of the Think Unbroken podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to invite you to come and join the Think Unbroken Discord community. If you don't know about Discord, it's being built on Web3, which is a platform that we as the users get to own. So no more Instagram or Facebook or algorithms getting in the way of you seeing and, and being a part of content. In the Discord channel, we're going to grow this to hundreds of thousands of community members, hopefully over time, but today it's small, it's close, it's intimate, where you'll be able to get access to live coaching with me, where you'll have chat with the Unbroken Nation community, where you can talk about a range of topics, anywhere from thinking about habits and growth mindset, goals, trauma, recovery, dating, relationships, career, accountability, business, meditation, feedback, and more. And so all you have to do is go to thinkunbroken.com slash discord. That's thinkunbroken.com slash discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D to join the Unbroken Nation community. And, you know, my mom's like, honestly, I'm not sure. I I don't think we would be in this position right now, you know, that she would be here and we would all be here in this position. And that's just one example where my mom's life was impacted by it. And I don't know if you could say saved, but she at least wanted to get that test, which is something she swore she would never never do. She swore that she would never get operated on again. And she went through three surgeries again. 
And, you know, in a way it was a full circle moment in my life too. Cause I remember when I was, I was at school and this was happening. And I remember on the day of her six hour surgery, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I was checking the clock. I had a friend come up from, from school to hang out with me to keep my mind busy that day. But for the first time I was kind of in her shoes when I was under the knife, you know, like I was clock watching and, and really scared and concerned. And like, I knew, I know my mom. So I knew that, you know, she always said in the past that she would never get operated on again. You know, more religious family. She said, when my time comes, my time comes. And she was at peace with it. And, you know, she said, I got, you know, 40 good years after my surgery, you know, that, that was her, her view. And then her view changed. And, you know, now she went through with all the things that she said she would never do again. She went through with going under the table again and then operated on. She lived a couple months with an ostomy bag, which was temporary, but in between surgeries, again, another thing she swore she would never do. So I was kind of worrying. I said, okay, now the surgery's good. And my dad called me and said, everything went well. It's like, okay, now I know the recovery's coming. So I just, I was worried if she was going to be up for the task mentally, right? Because that's what she was worried about me. And then in a way, I was kind of like her, you know, I was like worrying about her well-being when she was worrying about mine. But then I kind of saw her kind of handle it like a champ, you know, like she, she gave me no reason to worry. She took care of it. She really did. I, I checked up on her and called her at school. She was in good spirits and she gave me no reason to be concerned. So that's kind of how I would imagine she felt when I started doing what I was doing, right? Because that took a, a huge weight off my shoulders because I was like, okay, she's going to be good, right? Like, I see that she's handling it well. I see that she's going to be okay. And that I was able to exhale. And then in that moment, it was kind of full circle for me because I was like, this must have be, <laughs> this must be how my parents felt when I was under, you know? And just to kind of see that the, the paths I took all those years ago when all these things happened, you know, I had a bunch of paths I could take. I could take the silent route and not talk about this and do the thing that my family had been doing, or I could take a different route and be open about it. And that could, you know, maybe that was like the mystery route, you know, you never really know where that's going to lead. And, you know, the other one you do, but it's a little more predictable in bad ways. So I just kind of, I made the choice in being fully transparent because it just gave me more, it added more meaning to my life with, it, it deepened my relationships within my family, number one. And I think that's obvious with just my parents and my immediate group around me in that story I just shared, but also for me. I think it's just helped me live a much happier, authentic life. Like I remember back when I was like 20, 21 and 22, those were like the years where like I would tell some people, but not tell other people. And I was like in and out, you know, like I was kind of, I was in like a halfway where I was like, do I want to be fully open about this and really go with it? Or do I just want to only let certain people in on it? But then I, I learned through a series of like events at my job that I write about in the book, at different jobs I had where like, I didn't tell people and they gossiped about me. And, you know, at one of my jobs, because I was in and out of the bathroom a lot, sometimes I'd be in pain, whatever, you know, standing on my feet, serving and all that. I had people who accused me and went to my owner or the owner of the place I was working at the time and said I was doing drugs in the bathroom. Or they thought I was doing drugs. So that's, I was given by not being transparent about what had happened with me, talking about something that I literally had no control over, right? It's not like I chose to have any of this happen to me. It's not like this has no impact on who I am as a person. So why is it a big deal? And then I kind of realized at that moment, like I was giving these people power to say I was doing drugs or to say I was doing this and to lie about me and make me look like a fool. And I realized when you're more transparent and open, you, you take that power back from people. You know, you take control. They can't do that to you. So that, that was the catalyst those two things were catalysts to make me go, you know what, 
let's just be transparent because there's pros and cons to everything in this life. But the pros definitely outweigh the cons as far as being transparent as opposed to being negative. Yeah, I, I totally and fully agree with that. And you can you see these markers about the experiences of your life when you show up authentically as who you are and the impact that they can have on people, you know, and, and now obviously you're, you're here having this conversation publicly. And I think about when, when I rewind my life to almost at this point, seven years ago and sharing for the first time, the, the truths about growing up in the way I did and the experience I had and, and trying to put that into the world just for no other reason than at the time, to be honest with you, I just didn't know what else to do with it. And that transparency then turning into fast forward all these years later, what it's become through Think Unbroken and the impact I've had on people's lives and the ability to show up. And that's the thing that's so fascinating about when you're willing to be honest and transparent is you can impact people in ways that even I don't even understand what happens sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and have that direct impact in your own family. But I'm sure also in your community must just be, you know, I look at it like this and I know it's a weird thing to say, but it's about turning pain into purpose. And, yes. and in that, I think that there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes in that because of the impact of your life and, and it even impacts your life in a positive way. I think about that in terms of at some point there's like this pendulum swing and I don't know that this necessarily holds true for everyone, but I know that it does for me. And so I'm curious if, if this has been about showing up for yourself, about having more responsibility and, and how that's played out in your life. Oh, absolutely. Like for me, when see, I, I always look at what happened to me as like the biggest blessing in my life. And that always makes people scratch their head because they, you know, they'll read my book and they'll, they'll listen to my story as I tell it. And they're like, but you went through so many bad things. And I think this is something that maybe loses us in our culture nowadays is hardships aren't necessarily a bad thing, right? We're all going to go through them at some point to varying degrees and some more than others that that much is a given. For me, at 18 years old, when I was in high school, I wasn't satisfied with who I was because I wanted to do something with purpose. I can't describe, like at 18 years old, I couldn't describe what it was, but I knew I wanted to do something meaningful. So like, you know, I was with my peers, some saying like, oh, I want to, you know, make money and do this. And I said, like, oh yeah, money would be cool. But like, at the end of the day, I don't want to do that, right? So I had this like identity crisis at 18 where I never was really truly happy with who I was. And then, you know, everything happened to me with my surgeries. And then obviously that, that broke me down even more, you know, it, it broke me down to the bottom. And then once I finally hit the bottom, I kind of reinvented myself in a way. And the way I reinvented myself was by adopting responsibility. You know, like I, after my rock bottom moment, when I saw I hurt my parents and my family, I was like, okay, I need to be strong for them. And it started off just like that, right? And I'm going to be strong for the people who are, who are there for me. And then after you start being strong for yourself and you see other people kind of show you admiration, it makes you feel better about yourself. You know, maybe at first you kind of question it a little, you get that imposter syndrome. You're like, what's so special about me? But then, you know, when you realize that just by doing, it's very simple things too. And I guess that's what always makes, that might be the head scratcher. It's because it kind of seems like you're just doing the things you're supposed to do, right? Like I'm just taking care of myself so that my family doesn't worry. And then I'm taking care of myself so that I could show other people that, you know, in my, in similar circumstances that you can live a normal life and that your past circumstances don't have to define your entire life. And they seem like such simple things, but they really matter to people. And to me, what that kind of tells me is that 
we either don't encourage these types of behaviors enough to where it intimidates people to do this and it's not as routine, which is what I'm hoping to break. I'm hoping that by just choosing to do this, it it lights something in somebody else, like it happened to me, right? Like if someone's not necessarily happy with themselves or anything, you have a chance to to reinvent yourself and do something new moving forward. And that's kind of what happened with me as far as like, you know, with the pendulum swing. But I just feel like, you know, as a society, that's kind of the change I wanted to see in the world. And I just kind of lived it. And as I started adopting more responsibility, it did bring more happiness into my life, ironically, like, like some certain things that I do now that I, I consider taking responsibility, right? Like I like going to the gym and I like exercising because of my health condition and then just having bad health issues. I want to do as much to mitigate those things as possible. But then when you start taking care of your health, health and then you see like positive aspects of it start to, you see your hard work start to pay off, so to speak, right? You're just like, oh, that feels really good. And then you want to do something else that, you know, shows how your hard work pays off. For me, and everybody has different interests. For me, what they pertain to is more so helping people. Like I know for me, when I sat down to decide to be open and write the book and everything, it wasn't so much about turning a huge profit and all this stuff, right? For me, basically what I said when I sat down is if it helps one person, it was worth my time writing it. And, you know, I, I've succeeded in that, thank God. <laughs> but that's like, that's been the most rewarding aspect for me is just when I have people who reach out to me and, you know, whether they have similar health issues or just, you know, issues like within in my community, like people that I went to school with, you know, who lost a loved one and they've been struggling with that. And then they write, you know, and I, I've lost my grandma. I've, I've felt lost too. I write about that in my book. So like, that's part of my story too. And, you know, people will just read it and they'll be like, wow, I agree with that. I had that same thing happen to me. And it's just like, you know, people don't, it takes so little to connect with people and it takes so little to resonate with another person. And I just feel like if every person uh, attacked their everyday life with the responsibility of like, you know, you matter to your group of people. Like, this is how I think. So like, I matter to my coworkers because they rely on me to do my job. I matter to my family because they're my loved ones and, you know, they take care of me. We, we, we love each other. I don't want them to worry about me. And, you know, even with anybody in my day-to-day -day life, like when I'm running errands and like, I'm just small talking with people, I'll do that when I go out. Like, I just want to, to just socialize and, and just be good to people, give them a reason to smile. Even if it's like some little interaction, like holding the door open for someone, just think about how much those little things genuinely make people smile. And then if you think about the bigger things, how much they make people smile, it's like, if people just focus on the little things and even if they took a couple of steps to doing the big things, I feel like that could be a domino effect within a lot of people's lives. Cause I've just seen how it's impacted my own life personally. Like I, if I chose to be totally negative seven years ago and never talked about this and never tried to go above and beyond myself and help other people and just adopt more responsibility and, and overhaul my life in a lot of ways. Cause I never used to do these things before. They're all new things I learned. So they're all things you can learn. You know, it's not like I, I had these things instilled in me. I had to learn them almost from scratch, you know, after going through really hard times. So it's not like, it's never too late. And there's no such thing as going through too much to, as an excuse to not try to rebuild, you know? And for me, I just know for a fact, if I didn't address the responsibility of the things that happened to me and, and my traumas, so to speak, 
that they would have been so much worse and that domino effect would have happened, but in a negative way, it would have knocked things over, you know, like my family probably would have been destroyed as, as a result. And then God knows what else that would have impacted, you know, like it, it goes so much deeper than I think people realize, you know, like a family could fall apart and then people that are friends with that family could be impacted. Like it really goes so much more deeper than a lot of us realize. And that's kind of what my life up until this point has taught me is that each action you do has has consequences that you might not see for three, five years. And that's that's like what happened with me, right? Like I, I made a personal choice to start living my life the way I did just to help myself with my mental and, you know, trying to better my life and build myself back up again from the scraps, so to speak. And it was personal reasons at first. And then they later on, they started to be, you know, the bigger picture after I got myself back up on my own two feet. And then that's when I started to see those choices, like the, I just, the, fruit of my labor so to speak you know it started coming and i was like wow like i made an impact more than i even realized so i saw the smaller things and then the bigger things came later and then it just all kind of pieced together and i was like okay like there's so much more in our lives than i think we really realize yeah i i resonate with that so much because there there is this thing that i i constantly am thinking about of basically like planting seeds right now. Right. And yeah. I'm like, man, little things today on a long enough timeline are going to bloom into something that I don't even understand yet. And so much of that even starts with the personal responsibility of showing up for yourself every single day, mm-hmm. going to the gym when you don't want to eating the right foods, taking care of yourself, going to therapy, doing support groups, having the surgery. As many mm-hmm. of the audience knows in January, I had a surgery, did not want to do it. And it, you know, it's something that changed my life that took me weeks and weeks and weeks to recover from. But ultimately, like even the things that we don't want to do, like you have to do sometimes because that's where growth comes from. That's where life comes from. It's like being willing to be in that pain for a moment, whether it's physical, mental or emotional, that that little bit of push that you have to take in those times when you most want to push away from it. Mm -hmm. Like I've come to find that's where I've seen the greatest growth in my life happen. Have you found that to be true for yourself as well? Oh, absolutely. I actually, I kind of wrote like a Medium article on this because I've been thinking about this type of topic as well. Like, I I really do think it's growing pains, you know, like maybe not in the physical sense, but like in life we go through growing pains. And I could think of like the moment for me, like you said, like you have to go through periods of uncomfortableness, you know, so like after the surgery, you're in the recovery period and then things get better. So you go through that period of being uncomfortable and then things get better and that's growth. I think, and I wrote about this, like, you know, there's other ways, like, there is no such thing as growth without a period of being uncomfortable. There's just no way around it. Like, even for me, like, I always wanted to write a book. I like to read and write. I like storytelling. That's always what I've enjoyed, right? So this was a dream of mine. And then when I finally had the opportunity, like, literally, the opportunity was thrown in front of me. My publisher is like, we'll bring you on. You just got to announce it, yada, yada. I remember that night in, uh, I think it was like August of 2020. I had the, I took a bunch of pictures with a friend and I was at a post the announcement on social media and I typed up the post and I was sitting there about to press send. And I was like, after I press send, everybody's going to know that this is what I'm doing. This post is announcing that I'm doing that. There's no turning back after this. This is the proverbial leap of faith, right? Like after I take this leap, there's no going back. Like, you know, and then I kind of sat there and I weighed everything out. I was like, okay, like after I take this leap and I let everybody know this is what I'm doing. I have to commit 110% and fight through this weird new period of, you know, having this uncomfortable, it was a little uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie, you know, there was a period of uncomfortableness, even for me, because I was like, okay, there's no turning back now, like, what if 
I write it and it doesn't get received well. What if, you know, all the what ifs go through your head, all the potential things that could go bad. But I really wanted to do this more so than I didn't want to. That's what it came down to at the end of the day. I, I weighed all the cons and I said, yeah, these things are possible. But at the end of the day, I won't be able to live it myself if I don't just take this leap and see where it takes me. So I just kind of learned to take the jump. And I've done this a bunch of times in my life with like, you know, with my surgeries, like that moment where I said I had to fake it till I made it. That was another moment where I was just kind of taking a leap. I didn't know if things were going to be good. Things could have been, you know, shit in two years and I could have been right back to square one wondering what am I doing with my life? But, you know, I took that leap and I said, I don't know if things are going to get better, but we're going to try. And then they got better. So I've, I was already accustomed to taking those types of leaps before. And, but I still had it right before the book. And then, you know, I posted it, I pressed send and I committed to it anyways. And like I said, there was a period where it was a little uncomfortable because I was really out there for the first time really ever in my life after being a mostly guarded person for most of my life. So it was a big change, but then, you know, like a week, two weeks go by, and then you start to realize all those things that were in your head, like, oh, are people gonna make fun of me for doing this? Are people gonna judge me for doing this? I mean, there could be people out there who have, I've never heard of it, I don't really care, but what I've noticed, and I'm sure there are, but what I've noticed, because there's always that, but what I've noticed for me is it was met almost unanimously with respect and like good feedback. People I hadn't talked to in forever, rekindling relationships with them, saying, oh my God, I didn't know this happened to you. Just catching up. They're telling me things that I didn't know happened to them. Just like kind of re-spurred all these relationships. People that I never really talked to just kind of hitting me up in my Instagram DMs and messaging me for the first time in a long time or first time ever for some people just kind of telling me, you know, the shit they've been through and just kind of confided in me for, you know, was, was kind of eye-opening. I was like, wow, this is totally, none of the things I feared were true. And it's totally the opposite. This is so, and it was so rewarding, right? Like it felt so good. I got a little taste of like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. And that's when the growth hit for me. Cause like then the things that I were nervous about, like, okay, being out in the public eye and wondering if people are judging this or that, like that kind of went away because I was like, there's not many people doing that, if any at all. And the re response is mostly positive And most of it was in my head. So for me personally, when I'm going through these growing pains in life, I just kind of know most of it is in my head and it's not forever. And I think those are the big things that like you just kind of, you got to push your head down and just deal with it for a little bit and then it'll be over. And that's when that growth officially hits. And then once that growth hits all that stuff that was, you know, causing you pain, growing pain, so to speak, it won't be there next time. It's just, you're over it. You know, like once you get over growing pains in real life, when you're physically growing, you don't get them again. Once you get over that hump, it's like the same thing for mental growing pains. You just kind of gotta, you gotta push through that leap. And it's a little upsetting because I know a lot of people get scared when they get to that leap, you know, they get to the cusp of doing something really good. And then they, they get scared and they go for something that's a little more safe. So that's kind of what I had to push through. And I get it because I, I felt it too, but I think that's the lesson for growth that I've learned is that there's a period of uncomfortableness, got to push through and then growth hits. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I wrote a note as you were talking and I, and I wrote down just press send because yes. I think there's, there's so much to life in, in that. And that, that really held true for me and hearing you say that just now, Michael, my friend, this conversation has been absolutely amazing. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, absolutely. So I have a website which has like all my other links and everything on there. So my website is uh, www.mikecaprioauthor.com. Um, 
my Instagrams are my personal one. You could follow either or my personal one is Mike Taprio underscore underscore. And then my author one, which is, which mostly pertains to, you know, obviously my writing endeavors, the personal ones, just my personal life, you know, whatever I'm doing that feels interesting enough to post, but all writing related stuff is a uh, Mike Caprio underscore author on Instagram. And then my medium account is also on my website. So you could access uh, that from there. And yeah, that's where all my stuff is. Awesome. And of course we'll put all the links in the show notes for the unbroken nation. Michael, my friend, my last question for you is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? For me to be unbroken is we all, like you said before, right? We're all responsible for things that we don't want to happen to us, right? And even, including the ones that we don't want to happen to us. And I even write about that in my book, that that concept. And, you know, being unbroken is we're all going to have things happen to us in our life that are going to hurt us. And some are going to have more than, like I said before, there's all varying factors to this. Some deal with more than others. Some deal with, you know, family issues, health issues. Regardless is we're all going to, be thrown these curveballs and you have a choice to make you have a choice to take responsibility and shoulder some of the shit life throws at you and granted a lot of it you know isn't fair or fun that's just how it goes but you can't change the fact that it happened but if you take power in whatever happened to you and you own responsibility and you really try to to move through it and grow through it it can be difficult at times but the end result is you will live a more rewarding and happy life than if you choose to just let whatever happened go unfestered for years. I mean, that's how we see so many, so many issues bubble later in life, right? Like people leave unresolved traumas and whatnot. And I think the real way to get over the traumas of life is to just attack them head on and to show other people, to be an inspiration for other people. I mean, to be frank, right? You know, we all look up to people. I look up to people. I'm sure you look up to people. And those people inspire something in us to to get through the shit in our lives, right? So that's that's what being unbroken is to me. Amazing, my friend. Very well said and could not agree more. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, 
understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.